And at this time, children... Well, good morning, everyone. We are going to uh, be doing something different this morning, and so I, I, um, I hope you'll indulge the, the difference. Um, we wanted to take or pause um, this particular Sunday um, in which we're about to take the Lord's Supper and share with you um, the direction that we're going to be heading over the course of the next uh, month and a half or so as we head towards Easter. Um, and I am... I feel a number of things about this particular direction. One is I'm excited, and another part of me is a, a little bit not fearful. Uh, maybe there's a sense of trepidation, um, because you never know what the Lord's going to do um, when you um, choose a course in which you believe that he is going to act in response to our prayers in the name of Jesus, um, because he is a, a God who is um, uh, predictably surprising in what he does. Um, but before I share this uh, direction, I wanted to kind of lay it on top of a, a piece of scripture found in the Old Testament, and uh, it's found in the book of Joshua chapter 14, and for those of you who are antiquated with your Old Testament all that well, the book of Joshua is about um, the conquest of, of, uh, of the land of, of Canaan by the Israelites, so it's a, a book of, of, of victory. Um, chapter 14 is a, a rather inspiring but also somewhat humorous um, uh, story. But to understand it, because it's, uh, it centers on a particular person by the name of, of Caleb, you kind of have to rewind a little bit in history so that you can kind of feel the, the, um, the momentum of, of Caleb's life. Um, to call to your mind some of your Old Testament history, remember Moses comes out of the um, out of Egypt, uh, leading the way with the people of Israel behind him, and, and he has, or I should say the Lord has, uh, worked through Moses to deliver his people from bondage and from slavery, and they're making their way out of Egypt and up towards the promised land that the Lord had promised to them. And they come to the southern border of, of Palestine or Canaan to a place called uh, Kadesh Barnea. And there, the Lord instructs Moses to send up some spies into the land to find out um, how fortified the cities are, and, and so forth. So um, Moses selects um, uh, chief men from each tribe, and they head up into the, into the land, which we now know as, as the land of Israel or Palestine. And they make a 40-day journey uh, spying out the land. And, and uh, after their 40 days, they return back to the camp at Kadesh Barnea on the southern border of Israel, and they make their report. And along the way, they've managed to pick up grape clusters and, and pomegranates, and, and they come back saying the, the land is absolutely flourishing with life, um, with abundance, flowing with milk and honey. So their, their, their initial words of, of news is that it's flourishing, but then um, 12 of the spies go on to say that, um, but the cities are fortified. That means they're, they're, they're dug in, they have walls, they have towers, and in addition to that, there are there are Nephilim there, or the sons of Anak. That is, there were abnormally sized men. Um, Goliath was a, 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 um, a son or grandson or great-grandson of, of this particular type group of people. So there, there's these huge guys up there, and they're, they're, they're fortified cities. And, and uh, two of the, of the twelve, uh, Joshua and Caleb, who ended up being kind of the mighty men of, 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 of Moses, his right and left-hand men, they say, wait a second. In fact, Caleb stands up. He's around 40 years of age. And he says, you know what? We can take those hills. 
Now, we've seen what Yahweh's done to the powers of Egypt. We can take those hills. The Lord is with us. And, of course, Joshua is the same way. But, in this particular case, the hearts of the people of Israel listen to the majority. They listen to the ten instead of the two. And the text says that their hearts melted with fear at the borderland. This is an interesting observation is that fear and disbelief often go together. Fear and disbelief. Fear of the men and disbelief that God is bigger than the Nephilim. Fear of men, disbelief in God equals inertia. That is, you can't act. That's where the people of Israel were. And as a result of that, the Lord judged them. For 40 years, they would wander the deserts uh, south of Canaan and, um, and not enter the promised land until every last one of that generation who disbelieved out of fear were inert um, until they were gone. And then the people of Israel, kind of fast-forwarding, and I should comment, actually, as a result of the faith of Caleb, who was the guy who stood up and said, we can take those hills at 40 years of age, the Lord gave him a promise, said, on the, on the land on which your feet walked, that's going to be your land. That's your inheritance. It's a promise that the Lord made to Caleb when he was 40 years old. Now, fast forward 40 years, and the people of Israel, um, led by Joshua, Moses' replacement, um, you know, go to Jericho, march around Jericho, the walls fall down, they head up into the Judean hills, and they begin to conquer city after city after city. And then we come to um, Joshua 14, where we meet Caleb again, who 45 years earlier was the one saying, we can take those hills. And he's standing before the hill country in which um, he has been promised a piece of land. And this is what the text says, beginning in verse 6. And the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, said to him, this is Caleb speaking, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, the servant of Yahweh, uh, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear. Yet I wholly followed Yahweh my God, and Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord, Yahweh, my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said, these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke to Moses, uh, spoke this word to Moses, while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now, behold, I am this day 85 years old. Huh. This is the humorously inspiring part. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for uh, going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day, for you heard on that day how the Anakim uh, were there uh, with great fortified cities, the Anakim are the giants. Um, it may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. You just got to pause here for a second. Here's an 85-year-old man. Most of us would have a cane or a walker at this particular point. 
Now, he has seen the Lord act. He has experienced the Lord's victories. He has seen the defeat because of disbelief on the part of the people of Israel. And here he's saying, you know what? You promised me. And my heart is every bit as strong as it was 45 years ago. And I want to take the hills. And from the text that follows, realize that he does. Now, if I was 85 years old and you were 85 years old, you could think of a thousand excuses why you shouldn't take those hills. Let the young whippersnappers do it. Let me, let me get some guys to go take care of it for me. He's like, no. You know, I may be 85 years old, but I'm just as much a spring chicken as I was back then. And you can sense in this, this, this aged man a heart of a lion. But there's a reason why he has a heart of a lion. And that is because it's the last statement there in, um, in verse 12. And it says, it may be that the Lord will be with me. And I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. I, when he says, the Lord may, uh, it may be, may be that the Lord will be with me. The fact of the matter is, is that he experienced time after time after time the fact that the Lord always was with him. That is, there was a pattern of experience of knowing that God was faithful to those who trust in him. So he's trusting that the same presence of the Lord that brought down the walls of Jericho and destroyed Ai and all the other fortified cities is the same God who would accompany this 85-year-old man up these hills and take down the giants. Also, in addition to his presence, that's the first part in yellow, but the promise or the word that God has said, he's promised it to him. So he's trusting that the presence of God will go in line with the promise that he made, that this will be your land. And that's kind of the engine with which he found courage to then assault these hills at the age of 85 years old. Let me just put two things side by side from the story of his life. And then I'll share with you direction. Disbelief and fear lead to inactivity, inertia. Belief in God's presence and his promises leads to courage, which leads to activity. Non-inertia. Disbelief, and I just think of it this way. I was thinking about this this morning. It's like the people of Israel didn't act because in their minds, the giants were huge and God was small. And because of that, God's small, giant's big, there's no courage. You're disbelieving in the power and the might of God, and you're living in fear of people. And over here, Caleb, it's exactly the opposite. It's like, these giants are actually really tiny, and God is huge. And that's what gives courage, is that the, the real belief that God is mighty and he has conquered, and his arm goes with those who trust in him. And gives them courage, not to sit, but to, to be active and to take hills. Now, I'll tell you what, man. I, I want to be like this guy. You know, I, I'm in what they consider to be a midlife range. And I'll tell you, one of my prayers, as well as one of my fears, is I don't want to settle into life. I don't want to live a maintenance kind of Christianity where you kind of plateau and then you're like, well, this is where I'm going to live. No more hills to conquer, you know? I don't want to be there. I don't want to settle in. And I, and I certainly don't want to plateau in my spiritual life. 
I, want to be a, I don't want to be a person who like coasts to the end of life on fumes. And, and I hope you don't either. And this guy shows us it's possible to not just plateau, but he's like ramping up at the end of his life. And Paul said something similar when he said, you know, my outward person, my flesh, this tent I live in, this physical body is wasting away, but day by day, inwardly, I'm growing. The Christian life should be an upward life where one grows in power in their inner life. That's what Paul prays for in Ephesians chapter 3, that you might be strengthened in your inner being so that Christ may fully inhabit your heart. Which leads me to Parkway. This year, Parkway turns 48 years old. I think it was, 2000, it, was, it was 2006 that we celebrated 40 years. And we are quickly moving towards the half-century mark. Parkway's in midlife. And it has been shown through statistical research that In the lifespan of a church, when a church hits this kind of midlife, it usually plateaus and then slowly undergoes just a slow descent towards death. The Lord doesn't want us to be one of those churches. I'd say I don't want us to be one of those churches, but it's really not about what I want, really. But the Lord wants the church not to coast in on fumes. But when we're 85 years old or 100 years old, you know, still storming the hills. And that's, 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 that's our heart, is to see the heart of this church flourish more in the next 48 years than we have in the first 48 years. Um, and to grow in faith that produces courage, that produces a take-the-hills mentality. I mean, we may not be taking physical hills, but you can guarantee there's giants in our city, powers and principalities of darkness that are at work. And God has called us in the spirit of his son who conquered by his blood to take the hills, to make much of his son in our worship, in every aspect that Christ is exalted amongst our worship, and then Christ is magnified in our city. And as we do that, those are like my two biggest dreams, is that you have a church that magnifies Jesus in what they say and think and sing, in the way that they feel that Christ is huge at Parkway. And then I have a church where everything is about trying to make much of Jesus in the community because he's the only one who can bring down the giants, right? As those two things, not like this, but, but up, better 48 ahead rather than um, the best 48 behind us. So here's two things that we want to do, and I believe they are complementary. And here I want to share with you, and I, I am asking you as your pastor, as one of the elders here, to join us. And these two things. The church isn't some entity out there that isn't made up of individuals like some de-individualized concept. It's like a church is simply the sum of all of the individuals. And as all of the individuals that make up that church engage, well, then, it, then the church is moving together, and I'm, I'm asking you to join us on these two things. One is a 
we want to do a, a church-wide, and this isn't going to sound really spiritual, all right? But it doesn't mean it can't be spiritual. But we are going to be um, initiating, this is part one of two, um, of a church-wide self-evaluation. A church-wide self-evaluation. And I'll, let me tell you why. And maybe it's, this is, it's so s- stupid or obvious that I shouldn't even say anything, but... You know, when I sit in my little desk and I think, how is Parkway doing? And I have my own opinions. You realize that that's just my opinion. I might be biased, distorted, wrong. But the, but the more perspective we can have from eyes of others who see it, the better. It's like, you know, I came into church, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, and one of our secretaries who should remain nameless. Sarah, you were there. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Kenneth said that. You know, she said to me, when I walked in, she goes, Deanna didn't see you before you left the house, did she? And I said, what do you mean? She goes, because that doesn't go together. (laughs) You know, I looked at her and was like, I'm wearing this teal, striped with lime, with a black zip-up sweater with jeans. And it just, I looked down and went, Wow, I, I thought I looked pretty good, but I actually looked at it and thought, oh, I'm not. So I took off the sweater, ditched it, and I looked a little bit better. It's like, I appreciate that kind of honesty. It's like, it's like American Idol, you know? You watch the contestants on those opening ones, and, and they, they came out so confident or go, went in so confident, I'm going to sing like Alicia Keys. And, and you're thinking, girl, you cannot sing at all. And then they're all offended because they think they can sing, but nobody else in the world thinks they can sing. And they're, therefore, perspective and so, so what, this is how this is going to work. Is, is beginning March 9th is when this thing goes live. With the help of a, of a trusted outside organization, um, we're asking each and every person with a computer or an email address. And if you don't have an email address, get one because they're free. And if you don't have a computer, well, I'll let you borrow mine, okay? And it's an online, rather complete, well-rounded um, survey that, that covers everything from vision, to teaching, to music, to children's ministry, to whether there's too many shaved heads at Parkway. You know, it just deals with everything. That that last one was a joke, by the way. But it just is a well-rounded picture. And it's, uh, it it takes 15, 20 minutes. I think there's a hundred and something questions, but it it just, it's pretty easy. And I just want to encourage you to, to, as an individual, if you're a part of our church family, we want to know what you think. You know? Maybe the teal with the lines looks good, you know? So I, I don't know. I'm just I, we're asking you to help us in this way to, to provide some feedback so that we as the leadership of our church, listening to your feedback, um, can strengthen areas of weakness and so forth. Let me, let me just say, too, just, there are certain things that we will not, by the grace of God, and should not ever change. Um, and that the, the church should die for and bleed for. The, the centrality and supremacy of Jesus is not going to change. Um, the high authority, the supreme authority of Scripture over all things, including sexual ethics, will continue. Um, the priority of loving relationships in response to the very first and highest command of Scripture is going to continue to be a priority. However, you might, those things aren't going to change. By the grace of God, um, no matter how unpopular with culture that may be. But we may not be living 
up to our convictions, core convictions. We may not truly be as centered on Jesus as we think we are, and we want to hear from you. As well as maybe some things just aren't working. Maybe, you know, we're not connecting to the culture the way that we should. And so we're asking you to, to provide feedback. Like I said, it starts next week, and it's going to run for four weeks. And, um, and you're going to hear more about it, and you're going to know exactly where to go online, and we just, I'm asking you. We're asking you. Um, the elders have, have said, this is what we want to do to, to better understand um, Parkway so that we can make changes if we need to, so we can have a better 48 in the future than we had in the past, which is, you know, good things are happening here. I think you sense it, like we've, we've sent out missionaries of our own, we've seen ministries spin out of here, and, and um, there's a greater heart, a deeper heart for the community engaging in the city than we've ever seen, so there's a lot of great things, but I don't think Fairfield has seen Parkway Unleashed yet, and, um, and that's, you know, where you want to go. Part two is a bit more on the spiritual side, at least it'll sound more spiritual, and that is um, a prayer initiative that takes us into Easter. We just called it Momentum. Not to be trendy, but, you know, actually looking at the definition, it made sense. Momentum. One of the definitions that I found is it's the quantity of motion of a moving body. The quantity of motion of a moving body. Now, that, that kind of sounds like what the church should be. The quantity of motion of a moving body. And we are a body of believers praying forward the next 48 years and the next 48 days. So starts today, and it concludes on Good Friday. We chose 48 because we're 48 years old. Um, 48 days of praying that God might have Parkway be more fruitful in the next 48 years. So there's a, um, three baskets in the back with these little white booklets, and uh, the momentum on the front. And I, I want to tell you, this, this wasn't written by one person. Um, well, much of it was. But a whole bunch of different people have contributed to this. And I've read through every page, and it is good. And there is a, a title for each day, like on day 8, March 9th, an undivided heart. Read Psalm 86, 11 through 17, and Ezekiel eleven nineteen, 19. And it asks you questions to ponder. How would you describe an undivided heart? And then gives you space to, to, to write. Of course, you can't see it. Um, I can't see it right here unless I have glasses. But this is kind of what it looks like. A sample day. And we're just asking you, in addition to being a part of that, that self-evaluation, that we would be on our knees before the Lord. As a family. Um, Seeking the face of God. Doing things like this. And someone said to me this morning, are you ready for what happens if, if everybody, or at least most of us, do this? And I, I don't know. Like I said, when we did this in the past, we did something called Fresh Encounters uh, years ago. And God did some surprising things in that period of time. They were a little bit alarming, but at the same time, people got saved as a result of it. So, 48 days momentum, um, and God would, you know, quantity of motion 
of a moving body, and if you need reminding, someone ordered these, which are kind of cool. I know you masculine men could never wear something like this because it's the wrong color. Justin Noons can wear this because it matches his <laughs> jeans. All <laughs> right. <laughs> it's true. He'd say, yep. Well, you know what? I'm gonna, if I can wear salmon, then I can wear this too. And uh, I just, it's just a reminder, you can, if you don't want to wear it, you can hang it over your mirror, you can put it on your gear shift knob, whatever, and, and just remember, um, I need to, be, need to be praying. So um, if we run out of these in the back, um, I just, again, you have to make up your mind today. I, I want to commit to this with, with my church family. Like for me, that means I'm going to put the Gospel of Luke and Isaiah, which are the two books that I've been in for the last year, um, I'm going to put them aside. Why? Because I want to do this with my family, Parkway. And I want to be praying the same basic things and reading the same basic things as y'all are doing. So I'm asking you. Um, that was to honor some of our southern folks. <laughs> um, I'm asking you to, to, to be, a, be a, a part of it, um, be part of that quantity of motion of a moving body as we head towards Easter. And God may dig up some stuff that you don't want dug up, but you know what? That's what he's probably going to do in order to deal with some things. Um, but we're, we're praying and hoping that, um, that God will hear the prayers of his people as we bow the knee to Christ and, and say, Lord, make this uh, a church that's flourishing more in the next 48 than the 48 now. Um, so that's, that's really um, where we're headed. And again, I'm, I'm asking you as, as one of your pastors to join us um, in these two directions. We want to hear from you. Um, more importantly, we want you to be on your knees and I want you to be praying that the Lord would move us together as a family. Um, because, you know what? Let uh, Caleb be our guide. Um, when I'm 48 years from now and I'm not here... To say I'll probably be gone. I hope that we will have left enough of a faithful foundation that children the age of my son Isaac, who are eight, will be standing on the ceiling that we built as a floor for them. And that Parkway would still be a church that is committed to spreading a passion for the supremacy of Jesus in all things to all people. They would say, man, the church, because of God, because they trusted in the Lord and they found courage in their faith, um, they continued to assault the hills, uh, even into their own age, and they refused to coast to the end on fumes. And why not, right? Our, uh, Our great champion, someone infinitely greater than Caleb, um, he stormed the hills. He stormed the hills not populated by the Nephilim, but by, by demons and principalities and powers and the power of death and the power of sin. And he assaulted those hills and gave every ounce of his strength to the point where he finally said, you know, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he died on that battlefield so we could be free. And now we, in response to his great work, that is so magnificently freeing, um, he calls us in faith, in his authority, in his conquest, because he's already conquered to assault the hills. And we celebrate this morning the simple fact that he did assault the hills, and, and he, giving his life, uh, has paved the way for us to, 
to be free, but also to find courage to do what he's left us here to do. That is make much of him in our worship and in our community. Make much of him in our worship and in our community. So as you come this morning, if you're new to Parkway, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're welcome to come and partake of the table. Just elements symbolizing his, his death, his bread and, and the cup. Um, but as you take them, I want you to be thinking and coming to some sense of resolve that I do want to participate with this church family in these ways. You know, sometimes you just have to say, I'm going to do it um, to kind of keep yourself accountable. And if you miss a day, hey, skip it and go to the next day. But I'd like this morning for us to gather around the table, uh, you know, as one body and, um, and commit ourselves to the purpose we believe that God is, is calling to, uh, us to. I'm going to pray, and, and then as I do, if I could have those who are serving communion come forward, and, and uh, there's gluten-free bread in the middle. There's also regular bread, so it's not only gluten-free for those of you who um, can't have gluten in your diet. And um, let's allow the Lord to just use this as a time of worship, but also a time of, of resolve. Um, let's pray. Father in heaven, you are, are good, and you are great, magnificent, and mighty. And oftentimes we lose sight of your greatness and your might, and we allow our fear of men and fear of what others think to mushroom and, and our view and vision and understanding of you dwarfs and diminishes. Lord, we want that reversed. We want to know that you're big and mighty, that you're, you're the one who is from everlasting. You're the creator of the ends of the earth. You never faint, nor do you grow weary. And your understanding is unsearchable. And we want to know a God who is mighty, but also a God who has come so low to give his life for us uh, that we might walk in freedom as conquerors, as those who have triumphed because of the blood of Jesus. The Lord, move, please, move by your spirit in the hearts of this family and um, every individual that makes up part of this family, um, that we might have a greater momentum moving into the next 48 than we had in the first 48. So Lord, in the name of Jesus, we ask you to do this. Amen. Come as you're ready.
he is jealous for me Love's like a hurricane I am a tree Bending beneath The weight of his wind and mercy When all of the sudden I am unaware of these afflictions Eclipsed by glory And I realize just how beautiful you are And how great your affections are for me And oh how he loves us so oh how he loves us how he loves us so like a hurricane I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy and all of the sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory and I realize 